Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election, along with other catastrophes. I'm David Reese. I'm joined by my friend Starley Kine. Hi, Starley. Hi. And all the way from North Carolina, John Kimball. Hi, John. Hey, David. Hey, Starley. We have a special uh, celebrity guest investor today that we're all very excited about. But before we introduce our special guest, let's quickly review last week's bets. This was a week where Starley really triumphed on Predicted. So let's begin with Starley's bet from last week, because this stunned me. Did it stun you? Of course it stunned me. Your brand is not to make money on Predicted. It is now. Oh, new br- uh, rebranding. <laughs> Guys, coronavirus is a great opportunity to rethink your personal brands. <laughs> Use this time of disruption to make space for a new story. Starley, what's your new story? My new story is uh, Queen Midas. <laughs> Go ahead, Queen Midas. <laughs> well, because I bet on Trump, will Trump and Kim Jong-un meet in 2020? And the reason I bet on that, if you remember, was because we didn't know if he was alive or what his quality of life was at the time. And so it, wasn't, it was less of a bet on whether they would meet and more of a bet on if he's alive, the chances are greater that he would meet. But the, it was only at $0.08 cents when I bought in because there were too many variables that were unknown. I do wish – see, I feel like I'm very – I feel like I really have the potential to sweep predict it. But I still, uh, <laughs> like my, the, uh, I think, I think my let, logic. Let's keep, let's keep these brands in <laughs> earth orbit. Let's keep these rebrandings grounded in some sort of reality here, Starly. This is not an opportunity to rebrand yourself as a 12 foot tall, you know, day trading financial wizard who lives on the Cayman Islands. I'll, I'll mean, just say that. Any opportunity to be taller, I'll take. Whatever that, whatever that means, I would have to do. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I can... I feel like my reasoning was very sound. I don't think I bet enough. I don't think I bought enough shares um, because I, I am not entirely sure what I'm doing <laughs> when it comes to the betting itself. Um, so I bought 25 shares at $0.08. Cents. So that means I made $1.50. <laughs> but now it's at $0.10. Cents, and so I didn't jump off that wave. So then I lost $0.25. Cents. Okay. So there's still some there's still some kinks I have to work out. The rebranding was unsuccessful. No, no, uh, no. Uh, yes, wait. I'm the judge of rebranding. Rebranding judged as unsuccessful. Oh, because I didn't jump off the wave. Yeah, you didn't. I thought you was you come come on here saying I'm Queen Midas. I'm here out here <laughs> making money unpredicted. This is the new regime. Bend the knee <laughs> to my bags of money. Mm-hmm. One thing we should emphasize is the reason it was trading so low is because you made the bet at the time when everyone thought Kim Jong-un was dead. Yes. And nobody had seen him. Yes. It started at 12. It was originally like the normal, that normal bet, that bet when he was just a a dictator, a normal dictator walking around (laughs) oppressing people was Uh averaged at 12, 13 cents. I came in at 8 cents because everybody got freaked because they didn't know if they were betting on a dead man. And so I bought at the right time. What I didn't do is monitor it, and I needed to monitor the news for any signs of life of him. And so the second he did his first public appearance, right before we started recording, he did his first public appearance, but there were signs of life before this, and that's when it went back up to 10. So then I lost that precious quarter, and I'm not proud of it, okay? But I feel that 
I did see an opportunity that was buried in those bunk markets that we don't look at. Like I went through it and that's what, that was my rebranding. Okay. Your rebranding is a, a shift in perspective. And finding the buried gold. Whoa. That's the, the buried thing gold. Mm-hmm. John looks, John looks very happy now. After four <laughs> years, he's starting to make progress with us. Hey, I didn't have anything to do. Starly did that on her own. But I learned. I learned from, I, I know who I learned from. I, yeah. I, I, I give respect. All right. Starly, I wish you had bought more shares. I know. But you know why I didn't? Because when I first, I first, I, I believe I said I was going to buy 100 and I was met with gasps. I mean, you learned something. Well, maybe you learned something too. <laughs> yeah. I think if we go back and look at the tape, I, I think I suggested buying more. I don't know. Because I, I asked, I said, how many shares are you going to buy? Are you going to buy 1,000 shares? Well, you made a joke. That was a joke. And I don't then, know if that was a joke. That was a joke. And then I said like 100 shares and, and there was, it was either you or David, somebody gasped. David. Your bet of the week is more exciting than mine. Um, after we spoke to celebrity guest investor John Hodgman last week, I jumped into the main Senate race and said that it will be the Democrats who win that Senate seat. That market has seen very little movement. The thing I want to talk about, the bet that I want to bring everyone up to speed on, even though it frustrates me and enrages me, is my massive bet, will Richard Burr be in the Senate on May 1st? Of course, I bet no. Longtime listeners know my passionate campaign of sending postcards and phone calls to my California senators telling them to kick Richard Burr out of their 100-member club. Uh, they did not move that market. Richard Burr, insider, trader, uh, classic COVID North Carolina double speaker, is still in the Senate. I don't know which of our podcast listeners forgot to send a postcard or make a phone call, but I am going to hold that person personally responsible for the money I lost. If you could reach out to me at contact at electionprofitmakers.com, raise your hand and do the right thing. If you forgot to make a phone call or send a postcard about Richard Burr, you owe me money, okay? You owe me money because I lost money on this because I assumed everyone who listens was going to do their part mm-hmm. um, in making this happen. It's an honor system. We don't know who, didn't, who did or did not send postcards, but we do trust that you're going to come forward. Absolutely. And show yourself. And John, what was your bet from last week? I bet on the New York primary. And, and I went in on the opposite side of, of Maine. John, are you proud of me, even though I didn't jump off the wave? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. I was, I was stoked when it happened. Okay. John, are you proud of me? Yeah, David, I'm proud of you. Guys, we're excited about this week's celebrity guest investor. We are going to be discussing the Tara Reid allegations against Joe Biden and answering listener questions with... Our friend Jenna Friedman. Jenna, are you there? Hi, how's it going, guys? It's going, you know, it's, uh... Speaking only for myself, I would give it a solid 4 out of 10. The last time I saw you, Jenna, I was dropping off pizza dough at your house. It was right when quarantine started, and we, like, yelled at each other from opposite sides of the street. That was so uncalled for and nice of you. I can't believe you risked your life to get us stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm not fishing for uh, thanks. I'm just, you're now closer <laughs> through Zoom than the last time I physically saw you. Jenna, all you have to do is bow down and say, you are a genius Queen Midas. Everyone was wrong for doubting you. Just say that. She's not fishing for compliments, but if you do that and just get it out of the way, the conversation will be a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. I am fishing for loyalty. You have it. Jenna, we wanted to have you on uh, because 
we're fans, and we know that you have a little bit of experience with investing. And so our first question to you is, what has your experience with Predicted been like? What is the rush? My first question with Predicted, do you pay taxes on your earnings? John Kimball? Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay. I mean, assuming you make money, yeah. Assuming you make money. I haven't actually, so I tried to get on the site and I gave them my address and they just said that it wasn't in their records and then they wanted an ID and I just didn't emotionally want to. Did you, did you apply my... in person at their office? <laughs> what do you, you need an ID? <laughs> no, it just, they were like, we need like a driver's license. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm there yet in our relationship. Hold on. Predicted. Have you not signed up for predicted yet? We made a different arrangement because of that. We made it a different arrangement. Mm-hmm. And I bet Starly that I will pay her. I will Venmo her twenty dollars. Oh, we have a shadow investment mm-hmm. situation going on mm-hmm. right here. I don't know if that's tax legal. free. Keep going. This is proxy good. proxy betting. Yeah, yeah, I like this. Go on. You're going to send Starly some money. It would be my pleasure if Donald Trump loses to pay Starly twenty bucks. I want to bet in favor of Donald Trump. Winning so that if I lose, then I'll, I'll like I'll still feel good. It'll be fine. I'll have such endorphins that I don't care about the money. You're betting through predicted that he wins. I am betting that he wins. If he loses, then I then I pay you money. But hold on a second. I like this. This is this because this is awful. So you you're telling Starly Starly go buy shares under your own name that Donald Trump will win re-election, and she has to do it. Because you're funding that investment, right? I guess so, yeah. So, Starly, you have to do it right now. This will be good audio. So, I guess I'm funding $20 in case. Cause like, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It's the price of her soul. And, Jenna, what you don't realize is that my predicted betting strategy has been to only bet with my heart. And I, I've only made bets that I can live with the outcome of. This is the big rebrand. This is part of the rebrand. You want to be Queen Midas? You think you think queens rule with their heart? No, they rule with the iron fist, right, John? Right. But why do you want to be even more upset if he wins? Do you know what I mean? Like, if he wins, at least you can get money. Have you met John Kimball? Yeah, it's the classic. It's the classic hedge, the classic emotional psychological hedge. It's basically what what we didn't do last time. We all betted on bet on Hillary, and and we doubly lost. So yeah, you bet on Trump, and then if he wins, you're you're depressed, but you've got a little money in the bank. Something good has to come out of him winning. I've known that this whole time, and I've still been unable to do it, and I will now have to do it on behalf of Jenna. This is incredible, <laughs> right here. What what you're doing with Starly right now? This is this is more psychological than a European mo- movie. This is this is the first crack that's that's shown this season. <laughs> so hold on a second, though. So. In a way, Jenna is also betting emotionally because... With my heart, of course. Jenna, you're not taking this position that Trump will will win re-election necessarily because you believe Trump will win re-election, correct? Trump didn't win the first time. I do not believe Trump is a winning candidate if we didn't have Russian interference and we didn't have a lot of other factors that led to... It was a perfect storm of bullshit. I don't think Trump is a winner, so I'm not betting for him winning. I'm betting to insulate 
us from in- increased sadness as we slip into fascism. And all that takes is $20. You, <laughs> If he wins, you're like, yeah, but I did get $20, so I'm good. $20 is a pretty good amount of money. I'm just, it's a symbolic gesture. All right, I hear you. So the final terms of Jenna's bet are, you're sending me the money to, that I'm now, that I'm then investing in Trump winning. So I do that right now. Do that right now. Okay. And then if he loses, I get that $20. No, I think not to give not to give notes on this transaction, but I think the way it would be smoothest is Jenna sends you $20 mm-hmm. and you buy $20 worth of Trump will win re-election. Yeah. Right? And who knows how many shares that is. I think right now he's trading at 50 cents to Joe Biden's 46. And then if he does win re-election, mm-hmm. she'll get uh, $40 back. Right. Because it'll pay out at a dollar. Yep. But here's here's the problem. If Starley is already invested in that market, she can't invest both sides. I mean, she could go to another market and, and invest not on Trump, but invest on the Republican winning. I think that's what you'd have to do. Okay. Because there's different, like, these different phrasings, right? Different ways to lose lots of money. Is there an option to vote on Ivanka being the first female president or dictator not or whatever? Yet. Tomato, tomato? Predict it. We're waiting on those Ivanka markets. I search Ivanka every day and predict it. I got no markets for Ivanka. Speaking of queens and states people, role models. Okay, Starly, I'm sending you $20. Oh, I have it. Amazing. Jenna Friedman paid me $20 for Trump re-election fund. It's going to buy a big yard sign that says, re-elect Trump. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever like Venmoed publicly, I think. I'm honored. For Trump. Oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, so now I have to go to, is the Republican or Democrat going to win, right, John? Yep. Right. Talk her through this, John. This is a heavy moment here. This mm-hmm. is... I mean, I'm not feeling good. Oh, you'll be fine. I don't feel... It's fine. I don't It's feel just good. It's just money and reality. You'll be fine. Come on. I'm looking, I'm going through all the states. Where's the... Click on presidential election. Up at the okay. top. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which party wins the presidency in 2020? Democrat, 53 cents. Down by one cent. I wonder why. Republican, 49 cents. Okay. So now I'm going to click on that. Oh. <laughs> Look what you're making your friend do, Jenna. This is like, you handed her the spoon. You handed her the lighter. You handed her the little package of foil. Now she's sitting on the floor in her kitchen. But Starly, we're... Do you understand, Starly? We have the same thought process. It's just inverted. Like, I feel the same way you do, but it's like, why are you putting all your cards on the table for an outcome that you want? If that outcome that you want happens, you don't even need the $20 or the $40. You somehow got to season two thinking without having to live through season one. Yeah. I'm not really a betting person. I'm not even, I don't even like Vegas. Like, I I don't, I remember I, I got in a fight with my boyfriend because... We were in Vegas, and, and I, I just couldn't, the idea of $10 to get cash out of the cash machine, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And you got mad at me because I wasn't enjoying the Vegas spirit. But you have, been, you have been doing a form of betting, have you not? Yes, I have been. So in the lockdown, realizing that um, my career as a, one of my careers, which is a touring stand-up comic. I also write and direct, but my, my live touring career, I think is at least, um, in, uh, palliative care at the moment. You know, my shows do sell out, but I don't think we're going to have 
uh, a lot of live events until we really have a vaccine, mm-hmm. which could take many years. I think we're being overly optimistic at the moment on when the vaccine is going to come. I think it's not going to take 18 months. It might take a lot longer. And so I was thinking, what are some backup job careers? And I started looking at trading and... Um, just because, you know, every time Do- Donald Trump has a press conference, it's like he's giving stock tips. And so I just put a little bit of money in and I've been like watching the markets and studying things. And, you know, I, I've i been outperforming the S&P, but anybody who put money in a couple months ago has because the, the market took such a dip that when you put in, that's it's when it's so low, you're, you're not really losing money. See, now I'm like a war profiteer, but I've also donated a lot to the LA Regional Food Bank. Yeah, okay, it's fine. You've made some donations. <laughs> Go back to the blood money. Go back to the blood money. My donation are more than I've made in the stock market. I just, you know, with the stock market, you can't really day trade as a private citizen, I don't think, because, you know, when you put money in and then take it out in less than a certain amount of time, your capital gains taxes are higher and you don't really, you're, unless you just, unless I just put all my money into like Moderna and then like took it out, it doesn't really work that way for uh, obvious reasons. But um, I put I put all my savings into Carnival Cruise Line. Perfect. You know, these two guys went on a cruise the week right before quarantine started. Yeah, the second week of uh, March. Really? You two? Yeah. Yeah, it was Jonathan These Colton's nerd cruise on a Holland America ship. And uh, when wow. we got off the ship back in Fort Lauderdale, it was like returning to a different world. And Jenna, you didn't trade before this, before the pandemic? No. I should have, but I didn't. I just didn't even think about it. I don't know. Like, we're artists. We're kind of financially illiterate in a really sad way. And we didn't expect to be living in this like dystopian Trumpian world where, you know, if you don't have money, you just die. (laughs) And they're okay with that. Yeah. It's how they make money off of like human suffering. Speaking of making money off human suffering, I'm about to place the bet. $20. 40 shares on Trump winning. What if you just took all the money that you made and you gave it to people who need it? Then you're at least like in the smallest way counteracting the like devastating toll that he's going to wreak on us. $40 could get somebody like a bus ride to Canada who needs it. So maybe it could save someone's life. Okay, I'm hitting. I'm, I'm going to do it. I do not like this. I like this. <laughs> as long as someone likes it. Submitting offer. Ugh. Offer received. I feel sick. Next week, we're going to see news footage. Starley's at like the state capitol in California. Open the beaches! Open the beaches! Do not take away my rights! She's going to have her body armor on with her little sippy straw on her helmet. It's true because capitalism is a virus. I want to I ask Jenna a question. I love the video that Jenna did with John McAfee. On Adult Swim, which is was incredible, and I want to know if you still have a connection to him, and if you think he might potentially run for president again. I just I interviewed John McAfee for my show on Adult Swim called Soft Focus. He was running for Libertarian presidential candidate in 2020. He still is. I thought he was a compelling figure to talk to because he's running. And I think we need to take people seriously that we tend to not take seriously. And I think that he's a better option than Donald Trump. But I want people who are on the fence or who are tired of the Democrats and the Republicans, specifically the Republicans, to consider McAfee as an alternative to Trump. I think we haven't done a good enough job at splitting that vote. There are a lot of ways you can split the Trump vote. We haven't really done them well. Uh, To answer your question, he DM'd me like a minute ago. Um, He DMs me all the time. 
I post some of them on Instagram if they're funny. And he is running. He is running in 2020. He, he thinks that he is the leading libertarian. He has no desire to actually win. He just kind of wants attention. I just want him to be the Jill Stein of the right. Did he murder somebody? This is the guy who murdered somebody, right? Allegedly. Allegedly. Just to be clear, this is the guy who started antivirus software and then like moved to the Caribbean and just started killing people on a private island, right? That's what I know about this guy. So he had he had a neighbor. They had an acrimonious relationship. His dogs ended up dead. He thought the neighbor killed his dogs. The neighbor ended up dead. According to him, the government killed the neighbor to frame him because of stuff he did inserting spyware onto the government computers and finding out like a human trafficking conspiracy. I don't, it's not my place to judge. I just was trying to get as much accurate information. Uh, To all the listeners, you guys have to check out this video. This, I mean, it is a great, great interview. I love it so much. I mean, you did an amazing job and he is compelling. He really is. He's got a lot of charisma. You know, he's not the most credible person just based on he he bet to eat his own dick if Bitcoin reached a million dollars in 2020. Uh, repeat that, please. He bet that he wagered that he would eat his own dick if Bitcoin did not reach a million dollars by the end of the 2020. Bitcoin does not look to reach a million dollars, and he backtracked on his bet. Come on, McAfee. If you bet you're going to eat your own cock, then do it. Yeah. Well, he still got to the end of the year. That's, that's not a wish bet. That's not a man who bet with his heart. We've made brief mention of Tara Reid on this podcast, but we haven't gone into depth about her. And in the last few weeks, things have really, there's been, there's been new information that has come out about her allegation. Biden has issued a statement. He denied it happening. Um, so I feel like we should, it seems like a good time for us to start to have a discussion about how we're feeling about this and how we think it's going to impact the election. I feel personally that uh, I never wanted Biden to be the candidate, and now it feels like we're being put into position to make a very difficult choice that is hard to live with. It's, it's, it's a hard topic to discuss. I don't think we should turn it into like a what happened, what didn't happen kind of discussion. It kind of matters less what you personally believe and more like we know what we have to do and knowing what we have to do, which means voting for Biden to get out Trump. Um, that doesn't feel good. So I agree with everything you said. Um, I think and I'll get, you know, every time I open my mouth on this, which I really didn't want to for a long time for various reasons that you pretty much stated. I know that you can attack anything anyone says about this. You can find a way to attack it. Um, I think that there's a naivete in thinking that the world is like black and black or white, good or evil. And I think that's a lot to do with us in Hollywood Mm -hmm. creating content that has like happy endings and stuff. And I think as we get older and people realize that morality is, you know, abstract and ambiguous, um, you know, I think it takes a lot of maturity to understand like that you need to vote and that you need to vote against Trump if you care about people. Um, I I like to think of it in terms of like net rape. 
Um, <laughs> if you look at like how many, if you're anti-rape, which I assume and hope we all are, and you look at like how many rapes Trump has caused and will cause and the Republicans have and will cause just by continually making vulnerable people more vulnerable, it just so far outweighs anything on the Democratic side. I think if more allegations surface, credible allegations surface against Biden, then the Democratic Party really needs to just put somebody else in. And I hope that they do. But until then, you know, it's Biden 2020. I do think there's something very skewed about when we care about women, we suddenly care about a woman being assaulted because it either is going to mean that we lose a presidency or the other side cares because they want us to lose it. And if we, if we want patterns to stop, we should stop giving men the most powerful job in the world. And I'm not even saying I, it means he did it. But the inappropriate stuff, the touching stuff, does seem very clear that he did. And we were aware of that. Like, all the way he is with women, which I think is separate than the assault charge. Yeah, that's the, it's completely separate. We were aware of that. We still let him be the candidate. And so now we're suddenly like, oh, shit, there's stuff, st- might, some more stuff might come yeah. out that is going to endanger not just him winning, right. the entire world. This is, the stakes could not be higher for this. He can't lose. He can't lose. He can't lose for the environment. He can't lose for women's yeah. rights. He can't lose. Let me, ask a, let me ask a dark question. Yeah. If Biden, like you just said, must win. Yeah. For the sake of all these other reasons that are global. Yes. Then what does it matter what may or may not have happened with Tara Reid? Because the Democrats, you're still trying to have a party of principles and integrity. Right. As we're navigating this murky world and as we're up against actual like fascists and kleptocrats and theocrats. So that. I mean, it's just it's it's that's been the the hard part with all of it. Like the whole Al Franken thing is, regardless of anyone's interpretations of it, there is like evidence that in addition to anything that actually happened, there were there was like a disinformation campaign online waged against him to get him out of office. And so it's almost like, and the Biden aside, which does confuse it. Every single candidate going forward, male and female, look at what happened to Katie Hill. Every single Democratic candidate is going to have to navigate this murky terrain of believe victims, but yet now we also have people playing so dirty that they're undermining democracy and truth to just try to get elected. And, and, and you know, allegations are going to surface. There was another allegation against Biden that surfaced about something that he said at an event that they found out he wasn't even at. And then, you know, you could like character assassinate Tara Reid for all sorts of reasons. But obviously that misses a point. If there weren't, like Starley was saying, if there wasn't footage and images of Biden just invading the personal space of women and girls everywhere, you wouldn't think that this was possible. Like there's a lot of evidence to suggest that she's not credible. She's changed her story, yada, yada. But me personally seeing publicly how Biden invades women's spaces, looking at like the Anita Hill case, all of those things put this picture, even just the way that he talked down to women, uh, Bernie as well, the way that they talked on that stage um, to the female candidates. It just, it paints a picture that doesn't make me believe him. And so I'm not saying he did it. I think that we, if we're going to, the thing that creeps me out is the way that the media is completely obsessed with this in the same way that like the way that they were obsessed with the Hillary email thing, which is a whole separate, don't even, can't even get into like 
PTSD from that. But like, why don't we also go back and look at the Trump accusations? Because there are so many. E. Jean Carroll, the 17 women who accused him in the last election. There's a case about a 13-year-old girl who Lisa Bloom represented briefly and then dropped because a girl was getting death threats who said that she was raped by him at Epstein's party. Like, if we're going to look at the Biden uh, accusation, we got to keep the Trump accusations in the news because it now just seems like they're equal. And and so I didn't realize how impressionable people are and how important coverage is. And this is just getting so much more coverage than Trump stuff, which is like way more egregious. I feel like the media is making it, obviously, the media is making it, is simplifying it. This is such a complicated, nuanced, painful thing that is happening. Anyone who thinks that we are just like it is as cut and dry as us just being like, he didn't do it, we're fine, we, we support our guy, is, um, it's just, it just false and is what the media is so good at. The media is so good at stripping all nuance. Yeah, I think as you guys have said, we, we, it's, it's possible, we'll never know. But yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating to see how so many people are handling it. I think there's a, a way you could say that you believe Biden, you know, without being rude and and dismissive to to Tara Reid or to other survivors. I'm not saying that I do believe Biden, but um, I mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating for me to see people out there being so nasty to her and other uh, survivors of of sexual assault. And uh, I feel like that's something that we. Uh, are more likely to see on the other side and not on our side. What do you, I mean, what are the scenarios that could, like, is there a movement in the Democratic Party to say, okay, because it's tricky, because Al Franken stepped down. If Biden steps down, then you are also setting this precedent where it's like, now if there's one accusation against a Democrat, I mean, I don't know. That's a, is there a movement? And it seems clear that Biden is fighting this, that he's not going to, step down because he he believes he didn't do it or he knows he did it and he doesn't care or he didn't or he didn't do it like that's also an option that we just are glossing over and again this isn't like who's right or who's wrong it's almost less about him at this point and it's about us and it's like what do we do now do we put him up as a democratic candidate do we try to get someone else in there who is that what do we do now? Well, Hil- Hillary's trading at 13 cents to run for president in 2020. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I guess I would just say, I mean, at this point, my attitude is like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he did it. I don't know. I could I could see a world in which he in which what she said happened, happened. Uh, I could also see a world in which she, you know, this is like what people used to say about Christine Blasey Ford, which sounded so patronizing. It's like, I'm sure something bad happened to her, but I'm afraid she's just a little confused. You know, the fact that they said that to her after she went and testified in front of everybody is is maddening. Uh, you know, sexual assault traumatizes people. It fucks up your brain. It makes you do weird things. It makes you come across as unwell, as unreliable. That might be a pre-existing condition, but it could also be the result of being traumatized. It doesn't surprise me that someone who has been sexually assaulted acts weird. Sexual assault fucks up your brain. And so that's why I'm like, I think Biden made the right call. He's like, yeah, you know, 
go find the complaint. Like, let's figure it out. I, I mean, I happen to think he has to do the next step, which is the thing he doesn't want to do, which is go to the University of Delaware and say, take all my files and just look around. Like, I don't give a fuck. I didn't do anything. Like, look for everything. Of course, he's worried they're going to find some other compromising stuff, which is the huge irony, which is, and again, I'm going to say this, it sucks that it sucks that Biden voters are going to go out on election day and they might have this hanging over their head as they pull the lever for Joe Biden thinking pragmatically because there's an emergency and we got to defeat Trump. And then you have to remember like also Biden voted for the Iraq war. That's hundreds of thousands of dead people for no reason. You know, if we're talking net rapes, Jenna's I'm talking Jenna's right now like rapes, there are kids in like, cages at the border who are like being assaulted by ICE yeah, agents. Yeah. Listen, I'm not saying I'm not listen, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. You know, the days of me fixating on a reason not to vote for somebody are over. I had that with Bill Clinton in 92 with Ricky Ray Rector. Thank you Nat Hentoff for always writing those columns about why I shouldn't vote for Bill Clinton because he executed a mentally disabled person to be tough on crime. That was enough for me. I was all in on Ross Perot. Right. We've talked about that in other episodes. Everybody has a different threshold as to what they consider like, I will not support this person. I think for some people, that might be this allegation. For other people, it might be the crime bill or the bankruptcy bill or the Iraq war. And it just comes down to what people tell themselves their values are and where those values sit relative to the bigger picture, which is who is going to be president in 2021 makes a big difference. There's a little caveat with values in this, though, because because it is an unknown. It's it, impossible to know for sure other than taking someone's word for it, which I understand the importance of that. Um, but I think your what your values do in that case is it tips you over to believe one way or another more. It, lean, hmm. it, it, it influences what, what you believe and who you believe because you want to believe something. Talk about wish bets. There's a whole like, what we want to believe is happening. It, I've been, at least when I talk to people, the struggle is so there. The, the conflict of having to, of not knowing and having to vote for someone that you feel questionable about, which I think was even there before, like you said, David, there's lots of things to feel questionable about with Biden. And that is to me like a hopeful sign more than no, or he didn't do it. I'm fine with it. Let's just vote for him. Like right. I, yeah, want, yeah, yeah. I think the struggle, like, the working through it is, is the hope. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. It's like, guys, it's bad enough we have to fucking vote for Joe Biden, okay? And now you're going to throw this at us, and we're still going to have to talk our way into doing it? Or not even talk your way into it. Like, just be make a, make a gross—no, I shouldn't say gross. Make a pragmatic decision about who you want to win the election. Who you need to win the election. Yeah, who we need to. We can't undersell the idea that if— Trump is in power for four more years. The damage that he and that party will do could yeah. be irreparable. We might not have a, like a sustainable environment. We might not have a, a democracy. We literally might not have a democracy. And so I think as much as we want to add like thought and empathy and nuance and values to this election, we can still, those can still exist, but almost at a more macro level. Like it's a privilege to be like even getting to think about who you're voting for. Like women forever, since we've been allowed to vote, probably have not wanted to vote for the majority of the candidates that we've been offered. Yeah. People of color yes. haven't seen anyone who represents yes. them. And it's been the lesser of two evils ever since they've had the right to vote. So I think that like the naivete of thinking that you're going to have a candidate that meets all of your needs, and I know that like putting 
uh, alleged assault in the bucket of that is sounds pretty fucked up. Um, and so I, I do want to just like separate that, but to Dave, to your points about his previous voting record and yada, yada, like I, I think, I, I just, I just think that there's like no candidate is going to be perfect. And I'm not, and this is not a defense of Biden because I mean, I'm, it is, and it, I know I sound like I'm doing mental somersaults, but like, this is where you were talking about Starly with like the double, like, it's like, we can't even say anything publicly because then we sound like rape apologists, even though like, we don't even know what happened. But I just think it's like, this election has to be getting Trump out of office. And that has to be like our like unifying rallying cry. Biden is such an imperfect candidate. And he was up against a candidate that I feel hardcore Bernie supporters were like, they actually believed that you you can only have a candidate who you consider perfect. And and then when things aren't perfect because you are in a personality cult like the Trump personality cult, you tend to see only what you want to see. And there are studies that show that as countries slip into authoritarianism, on the left and the right, people gravitate towards, you know, authoritarian or or just personality cults because it feels safer. And that when the center drops out, that's when countries slip into fascism. And for like functioning democracies, you need to reach across the aisle to the extent that you can and work with people that you disagree with for the betterment of everybody. And I think we're, you know, democracies die and we're in, the, we're like in the last stage of ours and it doesn't help to have so much disinformation online and so much conspiracy theories and anger out there. And we're seeing that with all the COVID stuff. So I think we're really in like a, on shaky ground, even if we had a great candidate. And Biden has, his personality is so lacking this election that he actually is not in danger of forming a personality cult, which is maybe why people are able to have a little bit more critical thinking with this right now. Like I actually feel yeah. that I'm not, that's, I guess the discussions I'm having with people don't feel like they're just seeing what they want to see. Yeah. I feel like the way we're acting with Biden, instead of comparing it to it, Al Franken is not getting brought up. Kavanaugh keeps getting brought up and now Al, yeah. Al Franken. And Al Franken should be getting brought up more. The Biden reaction is, feels like Democrats being like, we can't, Al Franken wasn't going to cost the world. You know, the world wasn't going to collapse if Al Franken stopped being senator. We wanted to be able to face ourselves. Al Franken was expendable, but the world isn't. And so we know what we have to do. I agree, yeah. Charlie. So let me ask you guys all a question. Um, it's, it's kind of a gross question, but do you think any of this will make a difference? It has not changed. Biden still trails Trump by five cents on predicted. Over the past 30 days, it's always been about Trump trading about four mm. or five cents higher than Biden. It's not like the bottom has dropped out for Biden. Does any of this change anything? Well, Biden did drop a little bit to be the dim nominee in the last week. I know I had a position in that market and, and going into the, the night before he was going to give this MSNBC interview. I went ahead and sold just in case because I, I didn't. I didn't have any confidence he was going to handle that interview well. I think it could. I think it could um, hurt around the edges. The people who voted before will still vote, but I think the excitement, the extra boost that you get, that we might need to push this over. The excitement is going to be hard. But here's the thing: if if Biden has an exciting female running mate, which would be any of them, in my opinion, um, do you think people could get excited to? to rally around that person? 
I, I do think they'll be excited, but I do think there's also this burden now that is placed on the female VP. But there would be a burden anyway uh, if it's Stacey Abrams, if it's Warren, if it's Kamala. They're already so, like, tough as nails. And we're already talking about the burden on them that I think that won't be, and maybe that's optimistic of me, but I don't think that that will be um, as burdensome because we're, like, getting out in front of it. Jenna, do you have a, do you have a preference or... or, or- uh, prediction on who you think the the VP might be? Uh, well, I know I saw a poll that said that the Democrats want Warren and I would be thrilled and I would be excited for any of them. I just, I think this could be our last election and, and I don't know how, I, maybe you can scare people into voting the way, tr- I mean, Trump generated excitement, but he also is really good at playing off people's fears. Maybe the Democrats could fear monger a little bit more just to get people not even out to the polls, but to vote by mail. If we have a mail, you like, that's the other thing. We're all talking about this. Like we're going to have an election. And the sad reality is the like, um, postal service is, you know, going under and I don't know how we're going to all get, um, our votes in. Vote by fax. The only solution. Vote by Postmates. (laughs) Do you think Warren will get it? Or that's, that's who you want, but do you think she'll get it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think so either. No. I don't think it's going to be Warren, and I don't think it's going to be Stacey Abrams. I think it's going to be Amy Klobuchar or Kamala Harris. I don't think it's going to be Kloby. I, I could see it being Abrams. I could see it being Abrams, too. Really? You can buy you can buy Abrams pretty cheap. I think she's at like, she's at eight cents or so. I'm I'm no on Abrams, but not much. I'm heavily maxed out no on Warren. And I'm a little nervous about that because, yeah, as Jenna said, that when that poll came out, I thought, maybe I should uh, loosen my position here. I just bought 50 shares in um, Stacey Abrams. Really? Go for it. Well, they're eight cents. <laughs> uh, yeah, eight cents. Yeah. I do think she's a contender. Let me ask you guys, what do you think of Susan Rice? I had a, a listener ask me this week uh, why, Susan, why Susan Rice was trading at such a low price. Oh, yeah. She's trading at two cents. Former what? National Security Advisor in the Trump in the Obama administration. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if she's a controversial pick or not, just because she's connected to Obama. But Biden is connected to Obama, too, John. Vote against Trump. <laughs> just, just vote against Trump, please. Vote against Trump. All right. I mean, I'm bummed because, as you all know, I've had a position that Joe Biden will not be the nominee. And uh, this hasn't dented that at all. So I'm still underwater on that market. <laughs> Jenna Friedman, do you know what anal English is? Sure. Of course. Okay. It's called a Tuesday. God almighty. Sweet Jesus. Sweet, sweet Jesus. Help us. Because I'll eat your ass. I will. I will eat your ass first. I will eat your ass. I swear to God, it's the last thing I do. I'm going to get my hands around your throat, baby. You unleash the animal. You demand. You pull the fist out and just shove it into your ass. I will eat your ass. Orgasm. Like porn on the cob. You understand that? I'm ready. You unleash the beast. My daughters, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters. I will eat your ass. Eat, 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 eat your ass. Think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor? How I'm going to haul him up by chain and chop his ass up? Orgasm. 
Now, you could say that was a metaphysical hypothetical, but it's, it's really not. I will eat you. I'll drink your blood. You understand that? I will hang your ass up and cut you into cutlets like a filet mignon and grill your ass before I watch my daughter starve to death. When my baby's coming to the equation, like, sweet Jesus, I will cook your ass up so fast. Orgasm, God Almighty. So while I'm sitting here acting like I'm having a good time, it's because I'm dying, baby. I'm dying to be with you. Dying, dying, dying to be with you. Dying, dying to eat your ass constantly. Like I have dreams about it. My daughters, my daughters, my daughters. I mean, I would be tortured for a thousand years for one of the children I know. I would do anything for them. <laughs> I just think about people so cut off from God that they make jokes about how they had an orgasm while their daughter's brain was vacuumed out. I look at that person and I say, I will eat your ass. This is the time to get real. I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. You know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpower is being honest. I'll eat your ass. John, it's time for a listener question. It's extremely technical. It's from Benedict. He says, hello, I'm a longtime wave rider. For a job I'm starting this fall, I need to provide a headshot for the corporate directory. Would I be letting hang in their kitty cat down if I trim my hang in their kitty cat mustache for the headshot? Or what if I just grow out my beard so that my hang in their kitty cat mustache is less visible? The last thing I want to do is disappoint the hang in their kitty cat. John? I, th I think I would grow out the beard. Fuck you. What? Next. Starly? I think he's got to, I think he's got to keep the mustache. Tiebreaker mode. Jenna, I'm going to give you a little bit of context here. You'll see through this vi Zoom video that I have a little mustache that I've grown, okay? Above my lip. Now, you know the hang in there, kitty cat posters? Kitty cat's hanging on a tree branch, looking, looking a little bit fragile and vulnerable. Little fuzzy wuzzy face, the cutest little kitty cat you ever did see. And then it says, hang in there. Just keep fighting, right? So the pandemic started. Everyone's lives are crashing down around them. I decided to grow this little mustache. Symbolizes hang, the hang in their spirit. I know it looks more like a caterpillar than a kitty cat, but we, you know, we go to war with the face that we have, not the face we want. So this is my symbolic hang in their kitty cat mustache. And we have a listener who also in solidarity grew a hang in their kitty cat mustache. And now he's wondering, should I shave it for my headshot for my new corporate job? What do you think? You're the tiebreaker. Doesn't it make you like slightly more susceptible to COVID because you just have more things that could stick onto your face? Jesus. You're telling me this fucking thing that I grew as a symbolic resistance to COVID is actually increasing my chances of getting COVID like, like it's tomato soup that I forget to slurp off? I would shave it. This is actually every, this is perfect. This is an electoral college. This is the DNC <laughs> nightmare situation. We have one vote for grow out the beard to de-intensify the mustache. We have one vote for shave the mustache, and we have one vote for keep the mustache. The deciding vote goes to the chair of the National Mustache Committee, David Reese. Benedict, you keep that hang in there, kitty cat mustache. You do not, under any circumstances, grow a beard to lessen its intensity. You do not, under any circumstances, shave that mustache. If you take care of that mustache, 
if you tend to that mustache, if you groom and clean and honor that mustache, that mustache will be your friend. That mustache will be a boon and a shoulder to lean on during tough times. And yea, I say unto you verily, everyone in your corporate office will come to love and respect that mustache just as much as they come to love and respect you. Benedict, the king of all mustaches has spoken. Thank you for your question. Jenna Friedman, thank you so much for joining us as a celebrity guest investor. Thank you for having me. It was very fun. I hope your fans and listeners are kind and that they don't quote me. <laughs> Jenna Friedman, is there anything you'd like to plug during this time of crisis? Uh, I put a little cooking show together with my friends. Some of the proceeds are going to the LA Regional Food Bank. I mean, I'll post it on Twitter. It's dumb. No, tell us now. Vocal Twitter. What's it called? It's called The Joy of Quarantine, and I just kind of dust off some old recipes and give them a whirl with no experience cooking and see how it goes. I'm into that. I definitely need some new recipes because I've eaten 200 pounds of lentils in 20 days. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. As always, you can send questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com or you can send us a message via Patreon. That's patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers where we post exclusives and enjoy discourse and dialogue with our Patreons. Rate and review us on iTunes and other podcasting rate and reviewing systems. I'm sure there's a plethora of them in our time of abundance. We'll see you next week. Hang in there, everybody. It really sucks right now. Sorry about that. I'm trying with this mustache. Hang in there, mustache. Thank you to listener Andrew for reminding me, technically, Joe Biden is not a baby boomer. He is a member of the lost generation. I'm sorry that I slandered both Joe Biden. The silent generation. The silent generation. What did I say? The lost generation? Yeah, I don't know what that is. That made it seem cool, the lost generation. That's like the French people. He's sitting at a cafe with F. Scott Fitzgerald. I apologize to Joe Biden, and I apologize to baby boomers. Silent generation, come claim your own. Joe Biden, 2020. Keep it silent. Underground. Whisper mode engaged. Thank you.